0: Good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is three ways to overcome barriers to change. We're also talking to Christina, and we're going to look at some of those innovative ideas that have come out of the COVID-19 lockdown. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Caitlin Bowman, who is a senior lawyer at Turnbull Hill Lawyers, and we're going to talk about online business. Good afternoon, Caitlin. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us today. So, um, So I have an online business. What sort of things should I think about?
1: Look, there's a big major difference in how businesses run these days, and one of it's obviously uh, a lot of businesses are connected online, so having an online presence means there are certain other types of agreements that you need to think about, whether it's you conduct your whole of your business online or even just a portion of it, say if you just market solely online or you sell some of your products on your website, there's other responsibilities that you need to think of. So there's traditional physical retailer of goods services and then other legal obligations about handling online payments, customer privacy, online reviews, and still remaining compliant with Australian consumer laws.
0: So so what sort of documents should I have if I'm selling my products or services online?
1: Yeah, so when launching an online marketplace or online business which connects customers with suppliers, You're normally focusing on building your business model and deciding payment options, getting your website up and running, getting your emails sorted. However, it's also important to think about those documents that you need. Not having the right documents in place can have large consequences in the long run um, if you're entering into any type of legal dispute. So three key documents that you're going to need are terms and conditions, a website terms of use, and a privacy policy.
0: So what are terms and conditions?
1: Yeah, so they're essentially business terms and conditions, uh, contractual agreements between your business and your customers of your business. So they enable you to limit your liability and your obligations and also cover a very wide range of issues such as product delivery, payment terms, refunds, warranties, liability, copyright. Um, they should minimise problems and disputes that you would have in the future with your customers. And they can also be used as a, um essential setting out of obligations between the parties. So essentially you're providing certainty as to whose obligations are whose, what needs to occur when, when payment needs to be set out. And they're crucial to smooth operation of business. A lot of online businesses also use uh, their business terms and conditions as a branding and marketing tool, which is a sort of new aspect of business that um, online businesses are using. So in it, if you include a range of customer rights in your terms and conditions, you're essentially giving your customers a reason to choose you and to choose your business. And it sets out, obviously, a protection of your business, but can also enhance your professional and um, product image of your business as well.
0: So so when should I be providing these terms and conditions?
1: So a common misconception is that all of the terms and conditions need to be signed by your customer Um, you know back in the day we used to sign everything hard copy or now um, electronic signatures as well what actually needs to happen is they need to be given to each customer prior to the transaction with your customer so usually they're provided along with the invoice or the quote that you've provided to your customer Um, many businesses can also provide their terms and conditions via email and as I said it's not necessary to make your customer actually sign a copy of the terms. By them either making a payment to you or sending you an email accepting your quote, the customer then actually accepted the offer under law and that's when a contract has been formed which encompasses those terms and conditions.
0: So so a lot of people put their terms and conditions up on their website and it's it's in about uh, five-point font so you can't read them and (laughs) there's a little square box at the bottom that says... Um, I have read the terms and conditions, which most of us don't. Is that acceptable?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So as long as um, at one point or another you have said that there are terms and conditions and they have the ability to access those, either via a hyperlink and clicking on it, that means at that point that that client has had the ability to read those terms and conditions, whether they have or haven't. As you said, most people don't. But yes, that will incorporate those into your agreement with your client.
0: So, So what other documents should I have then?
1: Yeah, so there's a fair few others. As I said earlier, privacy policy. So with recent changes in legislation around privacy policy, if your website collects or uses personal information or at if any stage of the um, relationship with your customer, you collect that information, you have to set out in your privacy policy certain things. Um, So your privacy policy should ensure compliance and manage personal information in an open and transparent way. So it sets out the topics that the privacy policy will cover, state the practices, procedures and systems that your business is going to implement to ensure it complies with legislation and address what type of information you're going to collect, how you use and disclose that information and how you store it and also the client's right to contact you unsubscribe and complain there's also fairly sizable breaches for um, for breaching a privacy act So it's important to comply and I know a lot of businesses tend to not worry about privacy policies but there are quite high, as I said, breaches for it and it's quite easy to get a document like a privacy policy to get um, together and a lot of um, businesses will use, you know, marketing um, blasts out through email and not realise that they're actually breaching quite a fair few privacy laws by doing
0: that. Mm. And there's a spam law that goes along with that too, isn't there?
1: That is correct, yeah. So in your privacy policy, you should have abilities to um, allow your customers to unsubscribe and there should be details of that at the bottom of every type of email that you send out with marketing material in it, um, which is fairly easy to comply with, as I said, and fairly Mm. um, uncomplicated.
0: Mm. Is there any other documents I've got to think about?
1: Yeah, so a website terms of use. So if you're going to be using your website quite extensively, so having customers sign on to different programs or buy services through um, entering details in in your website, there's a document called Website Terms of Use that sets out what visitors can interact and how they interact with your website. So obviously they're not all gonna sign up to use the marketplace or become a paying customer. Nevertheless, you still need a terms of use document to protect critical aspects of your business. And um, Some clauses normally in these types of terms of use are disclaimers, how you can use the website, intellectual property protection, limitations of your legal responsibility, and therefore if anyone um, who visit your website can breach any of these terms you're going to be legally safeguarded and can take action against them to protect your business as well
0: mm. and also these days a little little box often pops up saying we're using cookies do you want to proceed
1: That's correct, yeah. So cookies are fairly standard these days on most websites. And what that ultimately means is they're going to be taking information from you and the search that you're providing and giving those to third-party websites. Um, So say if you start looking up uh, gardening tools and you click on cookies and accept that they're going to be using those, you may then in other um, aspects of your life, say on social media, then start getting blasted with um, gardening Mm. tools, websites, um, advertisements.
0: Mm, Great. Well, thanks very much for your time today um it's uh, it's a lot to think about whether you're running a website it's not just as (laughs) simple as sticking it up and getting orders is it
1: exactly yeah yeah there are a fair few things to think about
0: thank you we'll have a chat with you again another time sounds great thanks much Julie. thank you bye-bye bye Bye. caitlin bowman there from uh, tumblehill lawyers with online business yes we've got to think about all those legal aspects of running a business it's not uh, always that straightforward time to have our chat with christina good afternoon christina good
2: afternoon julian on this
0: beautiful Sorry. sunny winter's day it's going to be nice it's going to be wet in the next few days so we'll make, make the most of it absolutely so we're going to look at some of those innovative ideas that have come from the uh, COVID 19 lockdown
2: Yeah, and I think it's a really good time to revisit, um, considering that Melbourne is now back in lockdown. Some Mm. of the countries overseas, you know, the the major cities in many of the US um, uh, states have gone back into lockdown. So I think it's interesting to to look back at what happened during the first lockdown or, you know, our earlier experiences, how businesses have pivoted um, and how we can continue to pivot. And, you know, COVID's actually been... Spoken about as an accelerant, something that's made us look at industries mm. um, and change faster. But some of those, you know, let's start local. There was um, Earth Brothers Distillery Company um, pivoted very early on when a, w- there was a shortage of hand sanitizer, um, and they pivoted their distillery from making gin and rum into making the hand sanitizer. You know, there was that that um, involvement of alcohol. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a difficult pivot, but it has been absolutely. Um, an amazing thing for the company because they've had to employ more people um, in order to keep up with demand. Plus, they were able to, to service the supply that you know of, of a shortage. There was also a, a restaurant, um, a lo- not a local restaurant. I think this one came out of Victoria, but they were they didn't want to become another takeaway avenue for people because they were high end. They went, "How do we respect where we have a market share? Where our market share sits." but maintain some kind of income, turnover, loyalty from customers as we go through the lockdown. So what they did was they sold boxes of ingredients and then had their own almost master chef sessions on YouTube where they would teach people how to cook with the ingredients that had been delivered fresh in the boxes. So, you know, it was still quite high-end, unique kind of food that was their signature food, not reduced to the takeaway, what's this going to taste like when it gets home cold um, experience.
0: uh, So even those, uh, all those businesses that did go to takeaway, obviously, uh, as you as you said earlier, um, it was an accelerant. I mean, some of these businesses should have already been doing takeaway and just hadn't got around to it. It it caused them to rethink their business. It, It did
1: indeed,
2: and and what it you know it's just that extension, and it's it's kind of going into that what if phase instead of that oh my goodness you know, we're we're very negative, we're we're quite devastated. So so we were talking about mindset last week. Mm-hmm. Somebody else went from um they, they went right into the into sewing masks. So they were seeing stresses, they were doing repairs, noticed that there was a, a, a shortage of masks, found out how to make masks that were three layers thick reasonably easy, um, um, I was going to say recipe, reasonably easy pattern. um, And so they mass-manufactured sewing masks, Mm. which brings me to something else that happened within Australia. Um, An organisation called Happy Scrubs, they're now called Happy Scrubs, came about because one of their team members saw a doctor wandering around Spotlight, um, wondering how they were going to make their own scrubs because supply um, and demand wasn't keeping up. So Happy Scrubs was another one you know, jewellery designers that went from making and designing jewellery into repairing jewellery because what were people doing during lockdown? Cleaning out cupboards, figuring out what needed to be fixed or thrown out and so this jeweller in particular went into repair mode so lots of different ideas that can be extensions of what people's businesses are already doing or absolute
0: reinvention and of course uh, using equipment and skills that you have in your business as you mentioned with the uh, the gin manufacturer that went over to uh, hand sanitizer there was a, uh, i don't know which area they were in but uh, there was a, an organization that was producing stages and setups for events and of course uh, the uh, uh, COVID 19 closed all the events, so they switched to manufacturing furniture using yeah. all of their equipment and skills that they use other ways. Yeah,
2: so, you know, it, and it just takes a little bit of, um, of thought that doesn't come through fear and also you know we talk about design thinking all the time bring people from outside your area in to have fresh eyes over what Mm -hmm. it is that you're doing um and something else that that um came to mind as well and this isn't how to pivot a business but it's how to deal with uh you know children in the home while you're trying to work from home because this has been a big issue as well for particularly for women working from home and still having to um to mind the children you know, go on a four- five-day roster with some friends or some colleagues from the same business organisation, same area. Somebody mines five children for one day, but then you get another four days where you actually get a free reign at the working um, situation that you have to face uh, in order to, to stay employed, to make ends meet, etc. So, you know, shared child mining is another one. One of my other favourite ones um, is was the bread making because, you know, there was a run on... Um, Great, run on yeah. bread at the supermarkets, et cetera. So one of the bakeries, um, packed the ingredients very similar to the first restaurant story packed the ingredients into a home kit. People could keep them in the fridge for a couple of weeks. And there were YouTube clips on how to, how to bake the bread, um, when you needed it so that you didn't actually have to go out and buy the bread, stick the whole bread in the freezer or, you know, look at, look at shortages of bread supply. Um, mm. it was how do I maintain a supply? Uh, within my home at the same time so all these you know find a problem spy a problem find a gap see how your organization can fill it or create the gap and fill it
0: yourself great fantastic well we'll have a chat again next week
2: look forward to it julian have
0: Have a a lovely day you too thank you bye 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 christina there with some ideas of uh some of these ideas that have come out those innovative ideas look behind the square and uh, one of the things of course you can do is to sit down with your team and say what can we do and do basically do a, a little SWOT analysis strengths weaknesses and opportunities and threats and say how can we use the materials the equipment the skills that we've got in other ways three ways to overcome barriers to change People often react to change by resisting it. And smart change agents know that being aggressive only makes people increasingly defensive. Here are three ways to move around the defences and closer to your goal. Firstly, find another way in. If your change is rebuffed, try another tactic. Find out what matters to the people whose support you need and shift the focus of the change to take their preferences and goals into account. Secondly, befriend people closest to your resistors. Make friends with administrative assistants, direct reports or other people who spend time with them. These relationships often yield useful information and help get your ideas heard. And finally, go bottom up. If senior management is resisting your idea, start from the bottom of the organisation and build grassroots support. With enough backing, you may be able to convince leaders to reconsider. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, going online with your business with uh, Caitlin Bowman. We've also looked at some of those innovative ideas from COVID-19. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll get some digital marketing tips from Kimberly Claire Campbell, a digital mentor at the Hunter Region Business Hub We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as C.S. Lewis once said you are never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream.